The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, a couple weeks ago, actually it's been a couple months ago now, I was getting ready and uh, what I do, I sit in the sink of my bathroom and put my makeup on, curl in my hair, and my phone starts blowing up with text messages and it's Josh. And I can't like read them fast enough. And he's texting me with ideas for the songs of Christmas because earlier that day we had been talking about what are we going to do for Christmas? Like what should, should we just do one service? Should we do a Christmas series? And we've been going back and forth with some ideas and nothing was really sticking. And then he started texting me like, what if, what if we do this? What if we, we find some secular Christmas songs, really popular, well-known songs, and we pull biblical truths out of those songs and we call it the songs of Christmas. And I was like, yes, like a million exclamation points. I love it. That's it. Let's do it. And then I immediately went to our very extensive Christmas playlist on Spotify. For those of you who have known Josh anytime at all, you know that he loves Christmas music. In fact, I was thinking about that this week. The very first thing he ever gave me in our relationship was a mixed CD that he entitled Sarah's Favorite Christmas. And he left it in my mailbox and it was all his favorite Christmas songs. And so he loves Christmas music. So I started scrolling through our playlist. And as soon as I saw All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth by Alvin and the Chipmunks, I knew that there had to be some biblical gold in this song. And so I called it. I was like, I got, I got all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. So that's the song that I'm going to be sharing uh, from today. The truth from all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Now, you guys know the song. It's a very popular song. Like I said, it was made famous by Alvin and the Chipmunks, Theodore on lead vocals. But lots of artists have recorded it. Spike, I always want to say Spike Lee. Spike Jones, not Spike Lee. The Andrew Sisters, my personal favorite voice of all time, Nat King Cole. He recorded this song, Count Von Count from Sesame Street. So this is a pretty big deal, right? Uh, and so it's very well known. It was written in 1944 by Donald Gardner. He's a music teacher at a public school in New York. And he was teaching second grade and he went around his classroom and asked the second graders, what do you want for Christmas? And he noticed that almost every one of his students had at least one of their two front teeth missing and they all answered with a list. So he went back to his desk and he wrote the song in 30 minutes. Pretty awesome. So I know that Josh has been having a lot of fun with this series. Week one, we did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and uh, my very talented friend, David Terry, led us in a sing-along with my very talented friend, Jake Lipper, on the Jingle Bells. And then last week, we did a Christmas karaoke to Blue Christmas. So this week, kind of my competitive nature was like, what, what, beats, uh, what beats a Christmas sing-along and what beats Christmas karaoke? And it dawned on me, cute kids singing at Christmas, right? There's not a lot of things that can trump cute kids singing at Christmas. So New Song Church... Would you welcome to the stage some cute kids that I know? You got it? Okay, right over here, right over here, right over here. All right, for those of you who don't know, these are my cute kids. Me and Pastor Josh made these guys. <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> Okay, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Go ahead, Gus. I'm Gus Blood, and I'm eight years old. I'm Blood, and I'm five years old. I'm Shane, I'm three years old. All right. Let's not keep these people waiting any longer. You guys, David, take it away. All 
Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we are going to dig into some scripture, verse 26, and go ahead and put your finger there. But before we get started, I want to give you a quick little dental lesson about human teeth, okay? Fact number one, humans are born with teeth. Humans are born with teeth. I was born with teeth. You were born with teeth, but the thing about these teeth is that you cannot see them, thankfully, because I just think it would be creepy if babies were born with teeth. So they're hidden. They're they're there behind the gums, developing. And then around somewhere between four and eight months, those teeth begin to, to make their way down, and they start to erupt through the little baby's gums, causing many babies to be fussy and many mommies having lots of sleepless nights. It's because they're teething. These, these teeth that were there when they were born are now starting to make their way down and, and form those baby teeth. And then around three years old, like Sunny, she's three, around three years old, almost all kids have all 20 baby teeth. The, the baby teeth are there, and when those teeth are there, then around three years old, let's, I've got a slide up here to show you what the inside of a four-year-old's mouth look like. Those baby teeth are all there, but the adult teeth now are starting to form. Again, hidden behind the scenes. They're developing, they're forming. And then at the right time, on that magical day that every kindergartner, every first grader dreams of, they lose that baby tooth. And that they get that little window that they can kind of poke their, their tongue through. And, and then they have to wait. They have to wait for that adult tooth to make its way through. And experts say, dental experts say, that sometimes it can take up to a week or up to six months for that adult tooth to come down. So they can have that window anywhere from a week to six months. You've probably experienced this if you have kids. I know last summer our son Gus lost his first tooth. He was kind of late in the game. He's eight. And we were actually out in the lobby here at New Song, and he lost his first tooth. And he was so excited, but also kind of disappointed because his adult tooth was already there. So he didn't get that window. He didn't get to, like, poke his tongue through like he'd seen his friends do. But most kids have to wait a while for those adult teeth to come in. And this is how Theodore feels. And, and all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. He's missing that window, or he's got that window there, missing those two front teeth. And it's all that he wants for Christmas. It's all he can think about. All he wants for Christmas is his two front teeth. Now, that doesn't seem like too big of an ask, right? It's not super expensive. It's it's. It's not something that, that, uh, that most kids would ask for for Christmas. And you kind of think, oh, that's a sweet idea. But 
It really is a big ask because like we said earlier, it can take up to a week, up to six months, and nobody knows when those teeth are going to come in. It's unpredictable. They'll come in when they're good and ready. We have to wait for the right timing for those teeth to come in. Dave can't make those teeth come down for Theodore. Alvin can't do it. Santa can't do it. So really, Theodore's only option when it comes to these two front teeth is to just wait. Just wait. They'll come. He just needs to wait and not be so consumed with the fact that he wants his two front teeth because they'll come. He just has to wait it out. So this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the wait and how we can win in the wait. If you're taking notes this morning... Right there under all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. You can write this down for your subtitle, winning in the waiting, winning in the waiting. Now, the Bible's full of a lot of really good waiters, not the kind of waiters that never let your cup get halfway empty or keep your salsa overflowing and your chip baskets full. Those are good waiters. But these are good waiters who they, there's a promise from God that they've been given. There's something that they're waiting for and they're content to trust and to wait for his perfect timing. All kinds of waiters in the Bible, Noah, David, Daniel, Moses, Abraham, Sarah, Job. There were so many that I had a hard time choosing who I wanted to highlight. Who do I want to, who do I want to, to, to dive into their life and look how they waited? But I thought since it's the week before Christmas, why not look at the life of Mary? Mary, Jesus' mother, she was an expert waiter. So go ahead, you're already there in Luke 1. Look at verse 26. We're going to read verses 26 through 38. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. I'm going to stop here real quick, and I want you, as I continue reading, just to notice how many times the word will comes up in this text, okay? You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now I want you to notice that this text starts out, the Lord is with you. So Gabriel says, listen, right now, right here in this moment, the Lord is is with you. But then everything else he says is all about what's going to happen, what will happen. He will be holy. He will be the son of God. He will be the most high. So it's all very futuristic. This is what will happen, right? And then he left. It says, and then the angel left her. And then for Mary, the waiting began. She had nine months, 40 weeks to wait for this baby to be born. Now, when a, when a woman gets pregnant these days, we have to wait nine months. We have to wait 40 weeks. But there's, there's some things that, that let us know that something's actually happening, right? 
We pee on a stick. There's two pink lines. We know that we are pregnant. We go to the doctor. There's a heartbeat monitor. You get to hear the heart of this little baby that's beating inside of you. We get to see the, 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 how the baby's forming and developing. But for Mary, she didn't have that technology. So for 20 weeks, about 20 weeks until she actually starts to show, she's just waiting not even really knowing, like there's no proof that this is actually happening. The immaculate conception took place, but then she had to kind of wait for some evidence, right? And, and I imagine that if she was like me and, and like most of my friends I know that get pregnant with your first baby, it takes a while for you to show. You're wanting so badly for it to actually look like you're pregnant and not look like you just ate too much taco bueno, right? So about 20 weeks, you finally start to get that bump. And I'm sure Mary, if she held her little robe back just right, she could see her little bump. And then when she got still at night, after a busy day, she could feel the baby kicking. So some signs were starting to happen about halfway through the pregnancy. But still, to everyone else, this just appeared as a regular pregnancy. It's not like her her little bump was luminescent. It's not like she walked around with a halo around her head. She knew she was pregnant with the Son of God. Joseph knew it, Elizabeth knew it, but she would have to wait for everyone else to know it. She would have to wait for all of those will-bees that Gabriel told her. She'd have to wait for God's glory to be revealed through her son. So we're going to fast forward to the night that she'd been waiting for, the night of our dear Savior's birth. You guys know the story. It says she's in Bethlehem, and it says that the time has come for her baby to be born. The wait is over. It's here. She's going to give birth to the Savior of the world. She gives birth to Jesus. It says she wraps him in swaddling clothes, and she lies him in a manger. There's shepherds nearby keeping watch over their flock. The sky is filled with angels that are singing more will-bees about what Jesus is going to do, that he is the king of kings, that he's come. And it's just this very amazing, miraculous story. It's the most beautiful birth story in the history of all the world. And in this story, at the very end, Verse 19 in Luke chapter two, we get this little detail about Mary's life. I love it. As a woman, we wanna know, what was she feeling that night? What was going through her mind when she gave birth to the savior of the world? And it tells us, it says, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and she thought about them often. So the wait was over. The baby had been born. What's Mary feeling that night? She's trying to capture everything about this moment and keep it in her heart. And then it says that she thought about it often. What things? What things is she, is she trying to capture in her heart? So she thought about these things. She thought about what the shepherds told her when they came and they saw this baby that had been born that the angels told them about. She's trying to get this all down in her heart. I imagine she's trying to take mental pictures. There were no phones that she could, she could record this moment as the, these shepherds walked in and they're, their face. I can't imagine what their face must have been like when what this angel told them about they see right there in the flesh is the savior of the world. So imagine she's trying to capture all these moments of that night, what the sky looked like, what the hay smelled like, how Jesus felt in her arms, the sound of his cry, how Joseph's hand felt in hers. She's capturing all these moments and it says that she thought about them often. Why do we get this little detail about Mary's life? I believe because it's because that although one weight was ending, another weight was just beginning. Because really, she had to wait 40 weeks, nine months. That was a short wait compared to the weight that she was about to enter. It would be five years, six years, 
14 years, 20 years, 25 years, 27 years, 30 years before Jesus stepped into all of the willbies that the angel had told her about. It would be 30 years before he would step into his role as savior. It would be 30 years before God publicly announced, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. She had to wait for that moment for 30 years. And I believe that in those moments of waiting, in those moments where she's changing diapers, cleaning up spit up, having sleepless nights, in those, in those moments where she was tired of kind of being hidden away, she could pull those moments back up and she could know that this would be worth the wait. That someday this little baby that she was raising, this son that she was raising, someday he would step into the call of God on his life. And I think it's a pretty wonderful testament to the kind of mother that Mary was, that she was not only there at Jesus's first miracle, but she's the one who actually set it all into motion. They were at the wedding of Cana. They had run out of wine. And she, she pointed, she directed Jesus and said, listen, they've run out of wine. And then, and then she said to the people around her, do whatever he tells you to do. Because even though she'd been waiting all these years, she never, never stopped believing that this was the son of God. She knew what was in him. She remembered that night that he was born and the glory of that night. And so she told the men, do whatever he tells you. And, and it set his first miracle, his first miracle into motion. She was there in his birth. She was there in his death. And she was there in between because she waited and she waited well. She got to see the baby that she nursed and changed and protected and comforted. She got to see the toddler that used to wrap his little finger around hers as he was learning to walk. You guys know Jesus, he had to learn to walk, right? He had to be changed and nursed. She got to see the, the boy whose knee she had scraped up after he fell. She got to see the teenager whose, whose voice that she listened to awkwardly change through the years. She got to see him go from her boy to her savior. And she got to play a part in it. She was waiting with joy. She was waiting with intentionality. She didn't despise the small beginnings. She didn't grow weary in the day-to-day of raising a son. She waited well. And this morning, I wanna talk to you about how we can wait well. What are you waiting for? This morning, Mary was waiting for what the angel promised to her. She was, she was waiting for Jesus to step into his role. What are you waiting for this morning? If I were to give you a piece of paper this morning and say, here, write a song called All I Want for Christmas, how would your lyrics go? Something like, all I want for Christmas is a perfect job, a new baby, a fine husband, a fine husband. All I want for Christmas is a fine husband, a nicer house, a smaller waist, some more money. All I want for Christmas is my answered prayer. What are you waiting on this morning? Tom Petty. Any old people in here know Tom Petty? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tom Petty has a song called Waiting is the Hardest Part. But today I'm going to talk to you about how it doesn't have to be the hardest part, that we can actually win while we wait. But if we're going to win while we wait, we have to determine to win while we wait. We have to determine that we're going to win. So I've got four points for you today. They all start with the word determine. And the first one is determine 
the worth of what you are waiting for. Determine the worth of what you're waiting for. You gotta ask yourself, is what you're waiting for worth it? Because if you aren't 100% convinced that it is worth the wait, you're gonna jump out of line. Let's say that, that today after church, I'm hungry, which is gonna happen. After church, I'm always starving and usually make very bad eating decisions. Um, but let's say I go to McDonald's after church and I wanna get a quarter pounder with cheese. And the line, there's an hour long wait. I'm gonna jump out of that line because a quarter pounder with cheese just is not worth it. And so I, I know in my heart, it's not worth it. So I'm gonna go down the street to Taco Bueno. I've said Taco Bueno twice in this message. I've got issues. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm gonna jump out of line because it's not worth it, right? But if I'm in Kansas City and I'm at Oklahoma Joe's, which happens to be the best barbecue in the world, and there is an hour long wait I am going to stand in line and I'm not gonna be tempted to jump out of the line because I've determined that that barbecue is absolutely worth the wait. It's worth it. I'm going to wait it out. Is what you're waiting for worth it? Some of you guys are waiting for some things in here today and they're quarter pounders with cheese. It's time to move on, right? But there's some of you that are waiting for things that, that are worth it and you've gotta determine that they're worth it so when the going gets tough, you're not tempted to jump out of line. So how do you know if it's worth the wait? I've got two ways, two questions you can ask yourself to help you decipher, is this worth it? The first one, is it, is, is it a God-given desire? Is what you're waiting for a God-given desire? Psalm 37, four says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Now, I think sometimes we read that verse and we think God wants to give me the desires of my little heart. Whatever my little heart desires, God wants to give me that. But what this really means is that God desires things for you. And what he desires for us is far greater than anything that we could desire for ourselves. So what we have to ask God is God, Give me what you desire for me. Don't give me the desires of my heart. Give me the desires of your heart. Place those desires, plant them in my heart so that I desire what you desire for me. Because what he desires for us is always, always, always better than what we desire for ourselves. So you gotta ask God to give you the desires of your heart. Instead of asking God to give you what you want for you, ask him to give you what he wants for you. And then when he does, when you get with God and you say, Lord, what do you, what are the desires that you have for me? And he places something in your heart. If he's given you a desire for a spouse, for, a ch for children, for a promotion, to be debt free, to be healthier than you've ever been before, to build a house, to get that book published, to start that nonprofit, to get that degree. If you know that that desire is from him, then it's 100% worth the wait. So that's how you can know you can you can uh, you can know that it's worth the wait if it's a God-given desire. The second way you can know is is it a promise from God? Is what you're waiting for a promise from God? Now the word is full; it's full of promises from God, promises for for uh, for healing, for being free from fear, for for children, for finding a spouse, for for joy, for for freedom from depression. It's full of promises. Anything you can think of, there is a promise in God's word for it. And sometimes those promises, actually a lot of times, those promises require waiting on our part. They require us to wait. But I'm telling you this morning, and I want you to write this down, that if it's in God's word, it's worth the wait. 
If it's in God's word, it's always worth the wait. Let's take healing, for instance. There's so many scriptures in God's word about healing. He wants your heart healed. If you've gone through heartbreak, if you're, you're, you've gone through some type of um, really emotional thing and, and you just your heart is broken, he wants to heal your heart. He wants your body whole and healed. He wants your mind healed. So you, you hold on to a promise that you find in the word. But I know from experience, it doesn't happen overnight. You, you may get that promise and you pray or you may even come down here and one of our altar ministry team members prays for you and you don't feel different when you leave. Don't let go of the promise. Don't, ju- don't jump out of line. It's worth the wait. If it's in his word, it's worth the wait. Look at this on the screens, Hebrews 10, 23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who has promised is faithful. Let us hold fast. Now, when I think of fast, I think of like Usain Bolt. I think of like speed. Or I think of fast like when Jesus went to fast and pray. Uh, but this fast, this is talking about like when you fasten a seatbelt, it means to, to hold, to secure, to tighten. So think about that. This says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he whose promise is faithful. You gotta hold fast. You gotta get your, your heart gripped, tightened, fastened around the promises of God. That's actually a really popular sailor tattoo. Sailors would, would get those words tattooed across their knuckles like, like this. Hold fast. And, and it, this would be a, a constant reminder when they're on their ships and maybe they're in the middle of a storm and their hands are tired, their legs are tired, they're soaked to the bone and the storm is not letting up. But they look down and they see those words on their hand and they know that they have to hold fast, that no matter what, they can't let go. I love this because God's word actually tells us to tattoo his word on our hearts. What a beautiful thing to tattoo on your heart this morning. Hold fast. That when you are tired of standing in line, that when your, your legs are tired, you feel like your, your hands can't hold tightly anymore, remember to hold fast because he who is promised is faithful. Hold fast to the promises of God. The next thing that you have to determine, if you're gonna win while you wait, you have to determine to wait with the right filter. Determine to wait with the right filter. A couple months ago, this was just when the leaves were starting to change, like as great as they do here in Oklahoma. Um, but I was, we were in our neighborhood and I spotted this tree and it was bright and orange and beautiful. And I started to talk to my kids, look at that tree guys, it's beautiful. Don't you love the bright orange leaves? And they were like, mom, that tree is not bright orange. I'm like, yes, right there, it is bright orange. They're like, it just looks regular orange to us. And then I lowered my sunglasses and I realized that the filter on my sunglasses made that tree look a lot prettier than what they were seeing it. So I, I handed my sunglasses back to them and they were just minds blown at how different they could look with the, the sunglasses on. We, we're familiar with, with filters. We use filters in our everyday life. We, we take a picture, right? We go put it on Instagram and then we spend like five minutes making sure we got the right filter to make the picture look the nicest. Filters are something that, that, that we use every day nowadays. And, and while we're waiting, while we're in seasons of waiting, to either see the desire that God's put in our heart come to pass or while we're waiting on a promise from God, we have to wait with the right filter. And the name of that filter, the filter that you wanna choose while you're waiting is the filter of sheer gift. 
the filter of sheer gift. And I get that from James 1, verses three through four. It says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Now listen to this. This is talking about waiting. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work in you so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. When we choose to wait and look at everything around us as, as this is a gift, this is a sheer gift. I know I'm waiting, but what is God gonna do in this season of waiting? Look around at the opportunities that are in front of you while you're waiting. And if you wait with this filter of sheer gift, then these, these, you'll come out of these seasons of waiting, not despising them, but actually being grateful for all that God worked out in you while you were waiting on what you're waiting for. I, I, uh, was writing this message the other day and, and my, my brain just started to get like, okay, I need a break. It started to get kind of muddy and get stuck and, and uh, I decided to get on Facebook. So I take a break, close my, close my message down and get on Facebook. And the very first thing that popped up was a blog. And it was a blog by one of my friends from high school her little sister. I used to know her as Kate Montgomery, but she's now Mrs. Kate Brown. And I've been following along with her uh, blog and, and she's been dealing with infertility for three years and she, she blogs about it. And I'm always constantly impressed by her transparency and her just total trust in God. And so this blog post popped up and I read it and I was just like, this is exactly what I'm writing about right now. It was so on point that I asked her if I could share a little bit of it with you this morning and she said that she would love that. And let me just say this too, if you're here today and maybe you're struggling with infertility or you know somebody that is, have them follow along. It's unendingpossibilities.wordpress.com. She writes, three years, 36 months, 1,095 days, 26,280 hours, 1,576,000 minutes, 94 million seconds. That is how long my heart has been aching to become a mother. I wish I could say these past three years have flown by or been easy, but they haven't. There are so many days I feel like we're caught in a storm and we will never see the sun, that maybe God isn't hearing our prayers or that he's forgotten the desires of our heart. Sometimes I wonder if I'm being punished for the poor decisions I made in the past or maybe I'm just inadequate to be a mother. But after thinking all those terrible thoughts, I begin to feel God's presence and I realize that he has Gannon and I exactly where he wants us. This is the part that, that I just love. During our wait, I feel like God is taking this time to mold and shape my husband and I as individuals in our marriage and as future parents. When I think back to three years ago, I hardly recognize the woman I am today. I am stronger, more sensitive, compassionate, and smarter. I'm able to love deeper and fight harder than I ever imagined. I'm able to connect with people who are on similar paths and share our stories with others. During our wait, God opened up the doors for me to start our infertility group. And through that group, I've met some amazing women. So to all the families who are waiting, keep trusting that our Father is working on your story. Don't stop fighting for your family. Don't give up. That is a beautiful picture of what waiting with this filter of sheer gift looks like. 
I love it. She doesn't recognize the person that she is, that she was three years ago. She sees how God has been working things out in her life so that she's mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. She's not sitting by and feeling sorry for herself, but she's letting God mold her and, and, and do some things in her and her husband's life as they wait for this promise from God, this desire from God to be fulfilled. I love this quote. It says, when we elevate the end over the means, we miss out because often God does some of his greatest work along the way. Man, that is so, I know that to be true. Sometimes God does his greatest work along the way. When when we're trying to get to that thing that we're waiting for, he'll work things out of us along the way. For him, it's all about the process and less about the final destination. The third thing that we've got to do if we're going to win while we wait is we've got to actively wait. Determine to actively wait. Determine to actively wait. Josh and I, we've been married, it'll be 14 years, 14 years in June. And uh, in 2008, uh, God put a desire, a a God-given desire for us to pioneer, to pastor a church, to be senior pastors of a church someday. That was in 2008. And it wasn't until September of 2015 that we had our first service. Here at New Song, here at Haskell Elementary, we had our first service. So if you, do, if you can do math real quick, you know that's seven years. Seven years of waiting for this promise from God, this, this, this dream that God had impregnated us with. Seven years for it to be, for us to, to get to see it come to fruition for, fruition, for us to get to see it be birthed. Seven years of waiting. But during that seven years, we can tell you that we were actively waiting. We weren't just sitting by and waiting for God to drop a church in our laps. We were actively waiting. Here's how you actively wait. You pray. And you pray a lot. When, when that, that, that desire for a church first dropped in our hearts, we didn't know what to do. We didn't even know where to start, how to get going. So we knew what we knew to do, and we prayed. We'd walk around our neighborhood. We had Gus. He was a little guy and, and a little baby Bjorn, and we'd walk around our neighborhood and pray. We'd pray that God would send us people because we knew that we could not do this on our own. We knew that we would, would need an amazing team of people to help us plant this church. And so we began to pray that he'd send people across our paths. We began to pray for a worship leader. Worship has always been so big and on, on Josh's heart. His dad was a worship leader when he was growing up. So we began to pray that God would send us a worship leader. In 2008, our worship leader was a freshman in high school living in Houston that we did not know, but we prayed for him. And he told me last night that in 2008, that's when he started leading worship in his youth ministry. I just love how God works. Sometimes we, we feel like there's this big thing and we don't know how to get started. Just start praying over it. Just start asking God to, to, to cross your path with the right people, to, to put people to, for, for him to put you on people's hearts. Just begin to pray. We prayed all of the time over this dream. And then we prepared. We prayed and then we prepared. Well, we didn't really know what to do, so we started just to do what we didn't know. We prayed and then we would listen to podcasts all the time. We would, we would um, read books on leaderships, on churches. We would... Um, uh, go to, like I said, go to conferences. Josh was a graphic designer at the time. He'd start playing around with different logos, what we wanted our children's ministry to look like. We wrote training manuals. We, we learned about team building. Whatever we could do to prepare for this moment, we just prepared. What, what can you do right now to prepare yourself what God, for what God is preparing for you? 
And then we did our best with every ministry opportunity put in front of us. We knew that, that um, teaching two and three-year-olds, that that was not pioneering and pastoring a church, but we didn't care. That option was right there in front of us. That, that opportunity was right there in front of us. So I'm telling you, <laughs> I watched this man for years give all he had to fifth and sixth graders at Gateway Church pouring into them, preparing messages for them, five services a weekend, pouring into these guys. And, and while we were doing whatever opportunity God placed in our hearts or in front of us, while we were doing it with all of our hearts, God seeing that, that we, are, we are diligent, that, that we'll do whatever he puts in front of us, no matter how small we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it to the best of our ability. When he felt like we were prepared, he began to open doors wide open for us. And then once we got here, things moved really quickly. So just know that God wants you prepared for what he has prepared for you. What are you doing right now to actively wait, to actively wait? If you dream of opening a, a, a restaurant one day, you need to get a job in the restaurant industry. You need to study how, how a restaurant works. You need to study management. You need to read books. You need to go to culinary school. What are you doing to actively wait? If you wanna get married in the next couple of years, Start reading books on marriage. Start going to marriage seminars. Uh, uh, find a couple that, that's married that you look up to and have them start pouring into you. Are you prepared? It, are, how's your finances look? If you wanna get married, are you in a good place financially? Are, 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 you, are you prepared for that thing that God is preparing for you? I love the story of Joyce Meyer. You guys know Joyce. She has one of the greatest ministries in the world. And before she started her ministry, God told her, you will go all over the place and teach my word. Now, when he dropped that in her heart, she did not get on a jet and start flying all over the country and saying, look, I'm here. I'm here to preach the word. God said, God said I would go, go, go all over the place. Give me a mic. Let's do this. But she didn't just sit by and do nothing either. She started a small group in her home and she was faithful with that small group. And now she has the biggest ministry, one of the biggest ministries in the world. Luke 16, 10 says, he who's faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. Are you being faithful where you're at right now? Are you being faithful right now? Because God wants you prepared for what he has prepared for you. I love what Brian Houston says, God waste nothing. He wastes nothing. He won't waste this weight if you don't waste this weight. He'll use this weight to prepare you for the amazing things that God has prepared for you. Number four, I'll close with this this morning. Determine to be thankful while you wait. Determine to be thankful while you wait. At the beginning of the chipmunk's rendition of All I Want for Christmas, there's this little dialogue between Dave and Theodore. Dave says, what's the matter, Theodore? You don't look happy. Why? Theodore says, aw, Dave, you know. And then Dave says, but you got all those wonderful presents for Christmas. Didn't you get what you wanted? Theodore is, is so focused on those two front teeth that he's missing all the wonderful things that are right there in front of him. 
That's pretty profound. I think sometimes we do the same thing. We're so focused on that thing that we're waiting for, that marriage, that perfect job, that baby, that, that restaurant, whatever that thing is, that dream. We're so focused on it that we, we sometimes miss out on all the wonderful presence. And it causes us to lose our joy. It causes us to see purpose in this day because we're always so far out in the future. Listen, it's good to think about the future. It's good to be visionary. But think about what you have to be thankful for right now. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think God's will is something that so many of us, we just desire to be in God's will. And when we're waiting, sometimes that feels like we're out of God's will. It feels like that gets a little blurry, like God's will becomes a little out of focus. And we wonder, are we doing the right thing? Why is this taking so long? Am I in God's will? Have you ever begin to feel like you're not in the will of God or you wonder if you are in the will of God? Just remember this verse, give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you. When you begin to have a thankful heart and you begin to see see and appreciate and, and, and just pour your worship out on the Lord, no matter what's going on around you, that puts you right smack dab in the will of God. A thankful heart is the will of God. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to be thankful, even when all you want for Christmas is something that you can't get from Amazon Prime delivered to your doorstep in two days. When you're in line and you're waiting and you're tired and you don't know when it's gonna come, the thing that you're waiting for, give thanks in that situation. Don't miss out on what God is doing in this day. God is the God who was and is and is to come. Don't skip over the is part. God is in your, he is in this day. Just like he told Mary, the Lord, just like Gabriel told Mary, the Lord is with you. Right now in this moment, he is with you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.